WGNS, Murfreesboro. Do you feel politically homeless, lost in the chaos of modern politics, not sure who to believe? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, season two. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host, recording today from the historic WGNS studios located in the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Well, folks, it is August the 6th, 2020 in Murfreesboro and all over the state of Tennessee, and that means primary day. And so joining me today is my good friend, Mr. Gabriel Fancher. Uh, we're going to talk about politics, we're going to talk about the primaries, and we're going to talk a little bit about economics. Gabe put out a really good uh, post I saw this week on social media regarding the economic hardships of retail. Gabriel Fancher, yeah. welcome to The Man in the Middle. Thank you for having me here, man. I'm always excited to come on to your show. Uh, I just I feel very honored to be here. Uh, oh. I know that you're the man in the middle, and you know, and I'm I got my middle ground podcast, and so you know, anytime we can team up, it's great because I feel like you're somewhere, you know, you're on the left side of the middle ground, and That's I'm right. on the right, and so it's it's, it's a, a neat combination. You know, Gabe, when we figure out. When a lot of folks out there figure out that the extremists of both parties and both sides are, are ruining this country, when guys like you and I start working together and compromising, yes, we're going to get somewhere. Would you agree? I, I think you're right. I, you know, we both there are these wings to both sides of the party, right? right. And both of them, you can call them extremists, um, but they're just they're out there on some of their ideas, and they the thing that makes them different is that they refuse to work with each other. Right. Right. And yes. so we get a lot of uh, grinding halt going on. Right. And, yeah. And so, and when they get, when they, it seems like when our elected officials are getting along, you better put one hand on your wallet, you yeah. know, <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> right? you know, because Republicans are spending just like Democrats now, like, like you can't even say Republicans are for smaller government because they're not, you know, I mean, they just aren't. They're for a different kind of government, I mean, yeah, right. They they just want to be in charge of deciding who gets the money. That's that's the real difference, <laughs> you know. It's it's funny that you make that point. A lot of people have that impression right now, Gabe. You know, um, I'm a, tend to be a conservative Democrat on some issues, especially spending uh, type of issues. So I feel you, and I understand where you're coming from. You and I have talked so much in the past about the world reserve currency, the value of the dollar, how all of this could change based on our spending habits. So anyway, but you're exactly right. So these folks, um, you know, they're really just disguised, right? I mean, I don't know. Is is conservatism practical in a pandemic, I guess, is really what I'm getting to. What else could we do at this point? Wow. You know, like, I think that this pandemic has been interesting to, like, watch, right? Like, if you sit on the sidelines and you're watching it because, you know, a lot of people, especially around the world, are confused by our form of government being federalist, right? Like, that we have these separate governments, so we're like, really like 50 different countries under one flag. And so it makes it 
interesting when you have something like this because we are so interconnected as well. So when we drew up this government, we weren't as interconnected, right? Like people didn't travel much further than where they were born, right? Right. And now, you know, people live all over the U.S. like for a year and then move somewhere else, you yes. know, and their jobs move them. And so, and you go on vacation every few months nowadays, it seems like, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because this pandemic totally is affected, you know, because we are so mobile. And right. So things spread so quickly. And so, yeah, it's very, it's tough on just our form of government, period. Right. Because you you almost need blanket ideas from the top. And really, our government isn't set up for that. Like, not originally, at least. No, that's a very good point. And that's, you know, one of the things with federalism. Uh, in the past, World War II, for example, we had, you know, the, the enemy, the Japanese, the enemy of, the, of, of Nazi Germany. And so it was real easy for all 50 states to get behind that. Right. Folks ask me, though, and it's funny that you bring this up. You know, they're talking about changing the Confederate names of the military bases. Right. Now, I wonder, I've often wondered how these bases were named after, you know, Confederate generals. Braxton Bragg was considered one of the absolute worst generals in warfare history. But yet we have Fort Bragg in North Carolina. Sure. Now, Gabe, now this is just a theory, but this is what I'm guessing. In World War II, a lot of people didn't want to get involved, Mm -hmm. especially in the South. Right. And, of course, we know that a lot of Southern men fight the wars. Yes. Let's be honest about that. We fill the the ranks up with Southern boys. Country boy can't survive comes in awful handy (laughs) in combat situations. That's right. So I believe that that name Fort Bragg and all the other Confederate forts, they were designed in order to encourage Southern people to join the effort against the Nazis in World War II. I had never heard that theory before. I I can see that and agree with that. I I think that, you know, you, when you look at what the civil war and when it was ended, how it ended and how, you know, we tried to bring a nation back together. Right. There was a lot of forgiveness involved. Oh yeah. Right. Well, Lincoln pardoned everyone. Exactly. Right. And honored retirement benefits and things that, you know, on the South when they didn't have to, right. That's correct. Could have really hammered the South. Yes. And and really, really hammered the people who chose to rise up, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. And so it set the table for you to build monuments to these people who served, right? Yeah. Because they were being, they were still honored, right? Right. And, and on one side, of the, you know, another angle is that the way they uh, withdrew from battle was honorable, right? Like Lee right. could have easily scampered off into the hills and kept and a guerrilla war, war for, for 20 years. For, we right. could still be fighting it's it, right. right? It's quite possible, right? Because right. it would have been just like, you know, just like Afghanistan That's and all these right. other countries That's where these, right. these rebels n- did not choose to lay down their weapons and go back to peace, right? Right. And our leaders at the time chose to do that. Yes. It took some a little bit longer than others, right? It did. Down so, in Mississippi, I had to whip them a little bit longer. Yeah, but still but, fighting a battle in some places today, right? right. But none, it could have been a lot worse. And so yes. that's why on this issue of these these monuments and, and things of that nature, I'm very touchy because I do think that you need to honor those men that were willing to lay their arms down. 
Right. That's a good point. And and so and you want to honor those who honor those men, right? You know mm-hmm. what I mean. And, and so mm-hmm. I'm very careful about how we handle that. Uh, I realize that it's a lightning rod issue, and that people on both sides have strong opinions. Don't you wish that folks would get this? emotionally involved and politically involved over health care <laughs> wouldn't right <laughs> yeah. or or you know like the giving government welfare to huge billion dollar companies right, right. Or, or bailouts to churches yes. that don't pay taxes wow i can't believe the amount of money that went out of right here in rutherford county and went yeah to churches and nonprofits, and i mean it just blows my mind it yeah. 50 years from now, when they're looking at this, I mean, they're really going to be like, they'll scrutinize those numbers and they're going to wonder, what were they thinking? I really do yeah, think. I, I, I think so, too. I, I went down after the first stimulus bill passed. I immediately said this will go down as the largest fleecing of the American taxpayer ever. And the reason why, Gabe, was because I knew what they were asking for. They didn't need your P&L. They didn't need your balance sheet. They basically just needed your tax returns or a proof of a payroll. That's right. And that's it. That's it. And it's you a proof got the- of a payroll is really all you needed. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, there are a lot of businesses out there that don't employ a lot of people that were that could have used that money, couldn't get it. Right? right. There are some fake businesses out there that had fake payrolls that got the money. Right. You know, fraudulent. So like, right. right. A lot of fraudulent money went out the, <laughs> out right. the door. Right. And so it's just and you know, the thing is they're not gonna raise taxes to pay for this. Yes, uh, you know I. Well, we'll get to that, yes, Gabe. Okay. Because right. I, I was trying to give you a segue. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing that got me about all of that. Right. Okay. The House and the Senate got together on a three trillion dollar spending bill in forty eight hours and passed Amazing. it. That should have been a red flag to everybody. <laughs> well, it just meant that everybody they got everything they wanted. Both sides. Both did. sides did, and they were out of there. Right. And so big red flag, right, to everybody. So, But to your point, well, let's move on to the politics, Gabe, and let's okay. talk about taxes. Right. And All let's right. talk about – I want to ask you about this very heated Republican primary for the United States Senate to replace Lamar Alexander, Woo. who is a Tennessee – It's a Tennessee – it is hot. He is a, Lamar was a Tennessee icon, for those of you listening outside of the Tennessee area. Uh, he's been the governor of Tennessee, the secretary of education. He's been a senator for a long time. I remember I was a young kid, and I remember him walking across Tennessee with his flannel shirt, Gabe. Wow. And, and uh, pickup truck? That was 1980. Okay. That's when he ran for governor. I was 10 years old. But anyway, um, so Lamar is retiring, and we have Dr. Manny Sethi, uh, originally from Coffee County. That's right. Which is interesting because I'm from Coffee County. <laughs> oh, that is. But I don't know any schoolmates of Manny Sethi, probably because he went to Webb and Bell Buckle. <laughs> oh, I, didn't, huh? I wasn't aware of that. Nothing, to, you know. Well, the, <laughs> okay. I, what kills me is when they start calling each other elitist, and then then you find out these guys went to these high dollar <laughs> private schools. Anyway, Dr. Manny Sethi is uh, taking on uh, Ambassador Bill Haggerty. Right. Uh, who uh, has been endorsed by President Trump. Bill Haggerty has been. Mm-hmm. But, Gabe, the television commercials, you would think. So what they've done is they pulled out the Democrat playbook on each other, right? They call each other a Democrat. That's right. Sure, sure. They're like, you know, that. You know, what is it? It's Manny versus the machine yeah, right, right now. Right? right. So the machine, whatever yeah. that is. And then, you know, uh, Massachusetts. Manny, you know, right. right, which is a great nickname. Oh, you yeah. Know? yeah. And he was involved with the Massachusetts uh, 
model that ultimately became the ACA and Obamacare. That I, I believe so. Uh-huh. He's got some connections there that he requested some funding from some different organizations up there. And I'm of the belief that when you're in school, you should request money from everything, you know, oh, right. and then sure. do, do what you're going to do uh, and let the you know chips fall. So I don't blame him for taking any money or asking for it, you know. But, right. But it's very, you know, like the way they're going at each other just shows that it's a very close race, or at least it's polling close. It, it seems to be. And, and Dr. Seth, he seems to have a lot of moments. Momentum. It, it, you see a lot of folks that are showing up. However, Haggerty that still has a very large contingent at his. Uh, by the way, the Reagan Day dinner was in Hamilton County on Saturday night. Right. And now there has a COVID incidence that has popped up there. I don't know if you're aware of that. Oh, I'm not, but not surprised. Well, I understand that both candidates are being tested now. So, okay. uh, but anyway. Um, Tell us about that, Gabe. Talk about that race a little bit more. Who do you? Well, let, I'm just going to go straight up ask you. Prediction, Gabe. It's it's a primary day. Who's going to win this election? Hey, you know, you've seen the turnouts are way up. Yeah, I have. Right, and so I, in my circles, I've been like, you know, what does the, all this huge turnout mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it it means that there's a lot of money being spent, most likely, right? So that's driving people to the poll. And I'm of the belief that when if it's money driving people to the poll. The money's going to win, and so I'm. If I was going to bet, I'd put it on Haggerty to win. I think so too. I think Haggerty will probably pull it out. And I'll tell you, as the guy that's on the left side of the middle, (laughs) I feel a lot more comfortable with Haggerty. Believe it or not, even though he's been endorsed by President Trump, I kind of like the fact that he knows Mitt Romney. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, I like Sethi because he is from where you're from. Yeah. Right. Right. And so now, although. Whether he remembers where he's from or not, once he gets elected, that would be interesting to see. But I do think that rural Tennessee needs more of a voice at the table. Right. And I would like to think that a guy from Coffee County would help provide that. That's, Maybe not perfectly. Yeah. Right, given that, you know, he went to Webb and, you know, he's in Nashville a lot now. And, yeah. You know, and once you get elected, all like all your friends are going to change, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> you know? And oh, so, yeah. So, and that means he will change. And so... Hopefully he'll be able to keep some of his grassroots people nearby, right? right? Um, because that's what the campaign he's running is very much a grassroots style it is. campaign. Yeah, and you know you wonder, um, can the rural beat the the, the city? Memphis, right? yeah. Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, exactly. Rutherford and Rutherford. Sure. We have to start considering Rutherford because I promise you these politicians do. Yes. Yeah, they have, that, that's why they're here a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so you're going with Manny Sethi. That's uh, interesting. You know, I think that because Tennessee has a hybrid mm-hmm. primary system in presidential years, right? For once again, for folks that are listening for the first time or don't understand that, we vote for president primary in March. Right. Uh, in presidential years. Thanks Th- to Bill Haslam. And then we vote, <laughs> yeah, and then we vote again in August— Right. And then we for the rest of the primaries, and then everybody comes back in November for the we general. We just love to vote here, right? Like, <laughs> well, that's what suppresses this election. Sure, nobody wants to go to the polls three times. Well, in that's a year. true, especially given the situation that mm-hmm. we have with the pandemic. Right. Um, you know, people can apply to vote early and things of that nature, and and a lot of people have. Right. Absentee ballots are like through the roof. 
compared to past years. Yes, yes. Uh, which is good. You know, we have rules in place already for the for this sort of thing, I mm-hmm. think. And so, but the question is, do people know how to do it, right? And who knows how to do it? And think, you, does that make you know? It, there is because I mean, I, I know people that get confused just going to the regular poll. Oh, of course. And and um, you know we're. This we're junkies, right? We're political junkies, so we're into it. We understand how a lot of this stuff works, but the average person doesn't. No, and uh, and so that makes them a little nervous about filling out absentee. By the way, late breaking this morning, the Tennessee Supreme Court ruled that that mail in ballots will not be allowed for the general election right. uh, because so, of COVID. So you, but. We can still do absentee, like you right, can if right. you're absentee and you have a good reason. That's right. There, right. Yes, but if it's all strictly because of COVID concerns, you can't request a, a mail-in ballot now. So uh, you're gonna have to get a little more creative. A little more creative for people. However, Gabe, I mean, I'll be shocked if it's a, this doesn't land at the doorsteps of the United States Supreme Court. That's interesting. Uh, and it will be expedited because of the election. We'll have a ruling fairly quickly. Wow. Uh, I would say it's the ACLU will probably be filing. It wouldn't surprise me if they file it this afternoon. Sure. So, uh, But anyway, so you're going with Manny Sethi in the Republican primary. Let's talk about the Murfreesboro City Council race. Yes. How's yes. that looking? I know you've been supporting Sean Wright, who's a strong Republican. He is. That's right. Mm-hmm. Like you know, he he's the only one that received the endorsement of the Republican Party. Of the Republican Party. You know, right. Sean has made a lot of promises to a lot of different groups, right? So, like his, um, the people that are backing Sean are pretty much the people that are not happy with the current city council makeup. Seems I, like a broad, diverse group of voters. Very diverse. A mm-hmm. lot of Democrats in that group. Yes. A lot of different concerns. They just feel like they haven't been listened to. Right. right? And Sean's saying, "Hey, I'll listen to you." Right. And so I think it'll be I'd, – I'd like to think that he's a shoe-in. I'd like to think that. Right. But I, I may be wrong because you just never know in these elections. Oh, you don't. So right. it's important for people to go out and vote. But um, the, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he governs if he's elected. right? Because, because of the, his supporters are so broad. It's yeah. going to be a tough spot for him. Yeah, well, and I, I agree. And, uh, you know, Mark Twain said that politicians are like babies. You need to change the diaper out every— Amen. I, I forgot no. the exact quote. <laughs> they but, stink, too. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I think that's really what this is an example of. You're not really changing a lot of worldview ideology. It's just more of an accountability issue. Folks here in Murfreesboro are upset about the recent tax increase. Yes, I agree. But th- there's other things that they're upset about, too. You know, like uh, the, the city of Murfreesboro is a growing city. Yeah. That provides lots of problems, mm-hmm. right? And so um, a lot of the current city council members have really just been coasting through it, in my opinion, not putting the work in that needs for that position. So that's why I've been arguing for adding seats to the city council. I really think that we, there's too much work for that small of a group. And, you know, when they, ha- went bef- when they did the tax raise that everyone was upset about, they said that they felt that they had been lied to. They felt that they had been misled. There was a whole host of issues of why they had to raise it 30-some percent like that. And so I just I really think that if we want to increase the, the, the ability of our city council to hear the people, right, and to, and to address their needs, there needs to be more of them. I'd love to see district representation, but I don't think that's going to be easily accomplished. And so, therefore, I have changed after talking, you know, I talked with Bill Shacklett about it, and 
I've, I've changed my position. I was very hardcore district representation. I do think that if we expanded the council, it'll make it cheaper to run, and therefore you'll get a far broader uh, consensus, consensus on that. Absolutely, on that absolutely. Why, why do you think district representation will be so hard? Because we have to change the charter? Or? You have to change the charter. Right. You have to, uh, that would require going to the voters to change it. Gotcha. And then you got to have the specific writing in on that ballot. Yes. And trying to figure out how getting how, how to word draw that. all these mm-hmm. written into a concise manner to go on the ballot very difficult. It is very difficult. It's very similar to the gerrymandering issue. I'm not sure if you're aware, but they're talking about ending the president has has mentioned that he'd like to end the census early this right. year. Right. Sure. Yeah. Now, there's a political motive behind of that. Of course. A lot of communities have changed. Yes. And but if they leave it kind of like it is right now, it's quite frankly more white and more conservative. Yes, I mean I think that Tennessee it would stand to gain in in that situation. Okay, because we'd probably gain more seats at the table, and maybe but another guess. house seat possibly. Exactly mm-hmm. right, and yeah. so um, so I, you know from a Tennessean standpoint, I'm like, well, that's fine if we close it up. But from an American standpoint, you really question like, is that fair and is that right? And then. You know who deserves to be counted is it is a great question that really I think the Supreme Court should decide. Well, so that's a perfect segue. So all of this gerrymandering is done through artificial intelligence. <laughs> Folks don't realize this, but if you vote in a primary, everybody knows which primary you voted in. That's right. And, Upsets people when they find out and, that you know. Yes, right. Now, they don't know who you voted for, and they don't know who you voted for in the general election, but they do know that you voted in when a primary. you ask for that ballot, you are stating mm-hmm. your party affiliation. And based on that, and based on past results, all of this is fed into an algorithm, and artificial intelligence spits out these district lines. If you folks are wondering why it's so crazy, why one side of the street is one district and the other side is another, it's because they have used artificial intelligence and algorithms to to plot this out. Sure. Because there's a man with a pen, and he's drawing it. That's right. They're drawing it out. Yeah. And uh, so gerrymandering is kind of back to what you were talking about, about district representation. Gabe, I think that the judiciary should draw the district lines. Let me tell you why. They're, they run as independents. Okay. And they really are the, the third leg of democracy, right? And so I believe if anyone's going to do it fair... It would be a group of judges. You got to be careful with that four-letter F. <laughs> yeah. Well, fair is all right. I mean, right. But, but, Very but, relative term. It is. But if you look at the fourth congressional district, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's insane. It, it is. It is insane. Three. Uh, to, uh, I always. I used to, my joke on the road used to be three time zones, <laughs> which was Eastern, Central, and and Shelley time, which is my <laughs> wife. Of course, I always nice. got a great laugh out of that one, but. But it's vast and it's ridiculous, and the cultural difference between Middle Tennessee and East Tennessee is so vast. I agree with that. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, I just wanted your opinion on that, on the judicial in, uh, jumping in and, and drawing the lines. I'm sure they don't want any part of it. No, I'm sure of course they don't. not, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that their plate is already pretty full. But if you look at, say, North Carolina and somewhere their gerrymandering lawsuits have made it to the Supreme Court, ultimately that's what happens. The judges ultimately— it, it ends up at them at their, mm-hmm. their feet eventually. It does, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm of the belief that you've got to get far more. Like, 
the local decision making has to be done locally and far too much of this drawing is done higher up and yeah cast down and right and so i just don't know you know the the supreme court and the judicial branch of government has certain duties and if you give them more than you're throwing things off <sighs> well it, it's just gerrymandering is an awful thing yeah but, but we've been dealing with it from the very beginning. We have been, and, and I certainly won't sit here and tell you the Democrats haven't gerrymandered Republicans in the past 150 years. Of course they have. Whoever has the pen is going to draw in a manner that's more favorable to them. I, I agree, and it's just kind of despicable, though. And some of these, the way that it ends up, it's kind of despicable. Which is why we call it a gerrymander, It is, right? yeah, <laughs> you know? right? So. Exactly. Well, let's get on with the um, – well, let's talk a little bit more politics here. Sure. So what do you think about the 4th District, Donald? Donald Trump endorsed Scott Desjardins last night, the day before the primary, which is very interesting because we've never seen anyone endorse Scott Desjardins, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> well, you know, Scott runs a picture of him sitting next to Trump a lot. On right? Air Force so, One, yeah. 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 So uh -huh. he's got that in all his campaign materials. But right. before we get talk about that, okay. I want to talk about state of Tennessee, and I want to talk about Democrat politics. Okay. I want to get your, right. your feeling on what's going on here with, uh, you know, like in the fourth. Okay. There, there, there are some races going on here for Democrats, finally, yeah. which I'm excited about. Absolutely. Well, we've got a primary today uh, uh, in the fourth congressional district. It's really about the only race. Uh, we've uh, Christopher Hale. Mm -hmm. He does have a primary opponent, Noel Bivens. And, uh, but I, I'll go ahead and predict, and I may be wrong. Uh, I have been before, Gabe. I've lost two elections, so I, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Vegas isn't hiring me tomorrow, uh, but I'm going to say 70-30 hail. Wow, tonight. big win! Yeah, that's awesome. His sign, his name recognition, and his signs are off the chart. When he found that hail, yes, I knew he f he found a winning slogan. That's yes, for sure, yes, right. Yes. I want to change my name to Hale. Well, I mean, even people that won't vote for him still say Hale, yes. Exactly. He's got the Republicans talking. That's right. Mm, for sure. So I, I'm going to predict Chris Hale, and I'll, I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. I, well, what about the, like, so there's some news about him, and I don't know, like, is that, you know, his opponent trying to knock him down with that, or what? what's going on? Yeah, there? well, there was a late-breaking story on some allegations from D.C. Okay. I'll let Chris explain the rest of that, but it was essentially over an email list. Okay. Once again, there were no no charges. They were just simply allegations from an organization there. His primary opponent decided to try to make a throw a Hail Mary sure. at the last second. And uh, anyway, trying to damage Chris on this these allegations. Now, what I find extremely interesting, Gabe, is that of all of the candidates in the 4th Congressional District, with the exception of Randy Sharp, who mm -hmm. is, by the way, a fine person and has agreed to come on this show, uh, whether he wins or loses the primary tonight. Um, but anyway, of all of the congressional candidates for the 4th District, Chris Hale is the only candidate that's never been under a criminal or ethical <laughs> investigation. But yet now he's the one that's being alleged charges against. Meanwhile, all of the other candidates either have a record right. or have a very public 
ethical Had some issues. Yes, some big issues. Right. And I just find it really ironic. This is how we muddy him up. Yeah, right. right. That they try to drag him down in the mud like that. So, but I think Chris will win from from the Senate seat. And and by the way, I think Chris is sucking all of the oxygen out of every race in the state of Tennessee. Sure. He's running a very professional campaign. He I mean, is. it's just, it's really fantastic. And, you know, like, I don't know if a Democrat can win in Tennessee, like in his, where this, but, but if there was ever one that could. Yes. And given these Chris conditions. Hale is, is the guy who could. Yeah, I think so. And given these conditions, I, you know, for the general, I don't want to make a prediction there. I think it's going to be really close in Rutherford County, but I think he's really going to struggle in the rural counties. Sure. Similar to what I did, yeah. And uh, but hopefully Chris will pull pull it over the top, and I think he's got a few surprises. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a second. Uh, Bill Crystal mm-hmm. of the Lincoln Project, okay, tweeted about Scott Desjardins last night. I, I had not seen that yet. Oh yeah, he okay. sure did. And President Trump and I, I, I think the Lincoln Project's coming, Gabe. Wow, interesting. I think they're going to be here in October. I mean, there's just so much material for them to work with. That's true. That's true. And, you know, it's just one of those things where, it'll, you know, Desjardins has, been, has won a lot of tight races, but is, is his campaign out of gas? That's the question. That's right? the real can, question. Can they, make, can they can make it? One more lap. Right. Know, right. Right. It'll exactly. It'll be interesting to see. It, it will be. Now, on the Senate side, we have James Mackler. And, and I think the other contender in the primary is a lady named Robin Kimbrough Hayes. I don't know if you got to see she they were they were both been on my podcast in the okay. last last month, and extremely impressed with both of them. Um, I don't I don't know if I can make a predict. I think Mackler will probably pull this out because he okay. has the Bredesen machine behind him. That's helpful. That's very helpful. But I will say that Robin Hayes is. I hope she continues to pursue politics because she's one of the most impressive candidates I've seen wow. in a long time. That says a lot. She grew up in a trailer park in Kentucky. Wow, my now, kind of girl. Got a law degree from Emory now. Oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And and she's one of the most passionate speakers. But but you look at Mackler. Mackler closed his law firm at nine, after 9-11, mm-hmm. started flying Blackhawks, <laughs> And, you know, as a decorated veteran, so the Democrats get pretty excited when we have veterans running for our seats because we don't see that too often. Well, we just, I don't, you know, the Democrat Party has been hijacked by New York and California in so many ways, you know, Mm -hmm. that it makes it so difficult on Democrats here in Tennessee. It does. And, you know, there are issues that I think the average person who doesn't identify with, you know, far-right Republicanism and far-left Democrats, like, like they deserve a classic Southern Democrat. Oh, yeah. Well, it was always um, Howard Baker. Right. Who was making the deals in the Senate. Fred Thompson. (laughs) Bill Frist. Yes. Uh, so Tennessee has Al a history Gore. of producing yeah. good Democrats. Yes. Right? They really well, well those were Republicans, but Al Gore. Right, I mean, right. we, we have a history of being moderates. Yes, yes, I agree. And being mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and right. finding the compromise for both coast and the folks in the, mid- in the flyover country. True. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important that we produce those type of leaders. I, I sure would like to see more of them, Gabe, because it just seems like we just I, – I was really disappointed to see the Republican race devolve into what it has gotten into now. It's 
who is more Trump-like? Yeah, right, right. And it's just so... Even people that are going to vote for one of these two, they're just tired of the TV commercials. and I don't even watch TV anymore, so I haven't seen yeah. a lot of these commercials. Oh, you know? my gosh. Like, uh, they're oh. not running them enough in the, for millennials, because like, that's where you know I'm watching TV. So. Tune in at about 5 o'clock on right. local 4 or 5. Oh, it's every single commercial. So That wears people out, too. It right? does. You they know? get really tired of that kind of stuff. So, Gabe, let's anything else about the election you'd like to talk about? Do you think the primary gives us any indication of what's going on in November or what will happen in November? Well, I think you will see uh, absentee ballots will be far higher, mm-hmm. right? And so it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm interested in seeing what happens today. Yeah, right. right. Uh, that will tell us a lot. Like, how do people, because it, has everybody already voted? Have, have, have Did everyone get all their votes in before early voting? Normally, it's about six, 50 to 60% of the vote, right? right? And so winning the early vote pretty much wins the day. Usually does, yeah. But, you know, I don't know. It's just going to be very interesting because so many early votes have been cast. And yeah, yeah, they have. So it's a, it's an exciting day for guys like totally. me and you, you know, right? I yeah. gave up the NFL years ago for yeah. politics. Yeah, so man, here no I am, kidding. You know? I still love the NFL. That's why I've got my Titan shirt on. I Gosh, I just hope we get to see football this fall. Southerners need football. We do. We it it brings us together like nothing else, right? It allows us to get a lot of energy and passion out because in the South, we you know the heat gets to us. Yeah. We're very passionate, right? And you got to have something to help get that out, right? And if you don't, well, you know the eighteen hundreds were here before, and you know yeah, it, was just, right. it wasn't a lot <laughs> there of there was no football back yeah, then. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they had a lot of axe throwing back then, I think, <laughs> yeah, which is emerging again, right? It is. Yeah, so, uh, but Gabe, let's talk about um, um, the economy, COVID, all of that. You, you put out a really awesome post uh, that I read and talked about, uh, I forgot how many Victoria's Secrets, I know it's 400 Starbucks. Right, uh, lots of... Um destruction occurring in our economy right now yeah and uh you know like it's easy to think well those are big companies it's not that big of a deal but behind every one of those big companies are jobs jobs everywhere people that have been working there Mm -hmm. and you know and then and so there's uncertainty in their life and that provides uncertainty in the child their children's life and there's just all kinds of systemic problems that arise from yeah. an economy that has fallen like it has. You know, the GDP produced like, you know, an awful number where it fell down. It's down 30%, the highest ever recorded. Uh, the the Obama administration's 2% GDP growth, you know, which was called the Great Malaise, or, or right, sure. now it looks really good. Well, you know, GDP is one of those interesting numbers where, like, if government spends a lot of money, it will send that number much higher, right? So so we're going to see a bounce back because the government has been spending a lot of All money. All of that fuel you talked about, those right. trillions of dollars. Trillions of dollars into the system, more trillions coming, and, you know, and a lot of unaccountability for those dollars. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the U.S. dollar has been getting pummeled. It has. Right? Gold, Gold is, is on the rise. New, new mm-hmm. highs. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the entire global economy shake comes out of this. I, I agree. And I think a lot of that depends on the November election. I hate to put so much on that one race, but it does seem like that's going to like decide a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I worry about that because I don't know if either of the men that are running for office in the main parties are up to the task of handling that. I think a lot of people share that concern with you. And um, um, but but you know, I, I, either way, we're going to have a president. <laughs> 
Right. And we're going to have to move forward, whoever that president is. We're going to have to get this virus under control and yes. get our economy back on track. I don't think there's anyone. I know Democrats are accused of wanting to keep the economy closed until the election. Do you believe that's true, Gabe? I, I do. I don't think that there's a like there's this overarching plan of doing that, but right. I do think that there are some people who see that if the economy is in the tank, Trump has no cards. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, so there is some advantages to to the this political advantages. This exactly. Yes, and 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 I agree with that. If if the shoe were on the other foot, and I was, and there was a someone that you know was the president, and the economy crashed like this, I would be. Well, you know, Mitch McConnell said that he didn't want to help Obama, right? Right. And you know, because of that, because he knew that it would hurt his ability to get things done. Yeah. And so. You know, you see a lot of that going on right now, and so therefore you're seeing a test of, you know, the president is threatening to go around Congress to send out checks, and the question is, can he do that, and how is he going to do that? And, you know, um, anytime there's a crisis, the government seems to, at least in recent years, just create powers mm-hmm. for themselves. Right. And, uh, and that's dangerous. Yes. It really is. I, I don't like executive orders, whether they're Democrat, Republican, Independent, or a Martian. Making them because they completely bypass Congress and the funding mechanisms and the regulatory mechanisms. Right. I believe that the Constitution sets forth. So I'm not a fan. What does Joe Biden do when he wins on the first day? What does he do? He's going to repeal every single They're Trump executive right, order. Exactly. Now, uh, or at least the ones that he do, he totally agrees with. Right? He may a, leave some in place. He may leave some that he that he likes. Right. But anyway, um, legislatively. The only accomplishment, and, and, and really for President Obama, the only major legislative accomplishment was the uh, Obamacare, the ACA. He burned a lot of political fuel on He that. sure did, and that was really the only legislative thing that really they got done. A few other things, but mm-hmm. nothing really big for President Trump. It's been the Trump tax cut. Yes, he burned a lot of fuel on that. Oh, right? What else legislatively has these guys have these guys done in the last four years? Now this is both sides. Sure, you know you you look at Trump and you go, what have you done, right? But like Trump, it's not Trump's job to bring like legislation through. That's true, right? You know, like yeah. he's to be the executive, and I think you know, say what you will about him, I think he's done the executive position. If you're a Republican, I think you got to be satisfied with what he's done. Right. If okay. you're a Democrat, you're going to be very dissatisfied right. with what he's done. Sure. You know, from his selection of judges and things like that. Like, Absolutely. There's a lot of things that he's done that Republicans, really whether like. they like his rhetoric or not, mm-hmm. they do like what he has accomplished in that those areas. Right. Um, and so you see the House continues to pass bills that get stopped by the Senate. Right? Yes. And so you have this battle going on there, which a good a battle is good, but you're not seeing a lot of compromise. And so, therefore, not a lot of things are getting done. Right. Not to the point of toxicity. If you're expecting a real battle, it's in the House. You kind of expect the Senate to Go be on. the adults yes. in the room. right. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, and really, it's just a toxic, and it has been a toxic atmosphere up there. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Doug Jones. Think Doug Jones has a chance against Tommy Tuberville in Alabama? He's, the last I saw, he was down by 17 points, Doug Jones was. 
I mean, football is really popular in yeah. Alabama, right? Yeah. And so, right. and then also Republicans are really popular. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's got much of a chance I, because I, of that. It's know? really a shame because Doug Jones has been the model for a Southern Democrat for me. Sure. Especially given this environment, right? Mm-hmm. He sure has. And, and he's just a remarkable man. He's done a lot of really good things for and people over his life. it's easier to get elected than it is to defend and get reelected, I think. Sometimes, Sometimes, right? yeah. So Tumberville's got, he's got basically a blank slate that he's working with. I, I know. And he can I'm, be whatever he needs to be. I, and he can be, that's right. And I, But I just never, I've, I've done a lot of work in Alabama, about 20 years worth of work in Alabama. And uh, so know that atmosphere very well. I just can't believe all the Roll Tide people are going to vote for the Auburn head coach. That's an interesting question. Especially the one that brought... No, he didn't bring Cam Newton in. That was Chiswick that brought Cam. But, but, but you know, Tuberville beat Alabama six times in a row, if I'm not mistaken. And I just can't understand how. And, and Doug Jones. The number of downloads in Alabama is definitely spiking. Oh, no, right. I hope names. so, right? Yeah. Well, you see what I'm doing here. But, but, you know, Doug Jones is a graduate from the University of Alabama. Sure. So it's that's a weird dynamic going on down there. I hope politically. he's got that houndstooth on his sign, you know. Like, well, he's trying. Okay, he keeps that's talking the route about. I would go. Well, uh, the last one I saw, he was talking about how much money Tommy Tommy Tuberville gets from the state of Alabama. You know, they ended his, Auburn ended his contract early, and I think the state pays still pays Tommy Tuberville eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Those Alabama pensions are. Very interesting. Well, they are. <laughs> when your two football coaches are your highest paid state employees. Yes, and uh, and the guys running the pension plans, they have to make changes based on when those guys are planning to retire. Oh, take yeah. Money out. And, like, it's just it's crazy. I bet. It's crazy. I bet. But back back to economics. I, we keep veering off to politics, Gabe. Is the economy forever changed after 30% GDP loss? Has 30% of our businesses just vanished? Well, by the by that number, yes, right. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I was a supporter of Andrew Yang when he was running, right. And mm-hmm. he talked about how the economy was going to change. Yes, right? right. That things were going to change. That AI was coming on, and that we had some things that we're really going to have to worry about. And I think that this pandemic has sped that up. I agree. Right. And you know, man, I wish Biden would select Yang as his running mate. <sighs> no kidding. I know he's pa- he's painted himself in the corner here. But Yang yeah. had a real good grasp on it. And so Elizabeth Warren as well, when you read her older books about, you know, the two-income trap and things that night. Like, and here we are now. We're re- returning to a world where you're going to have one income per family. Yeah. Right? Because if you can't send kids to school, somebody's got to Somebody's got to stay home. And if you've, if you've lost nearly a third of the economy, that's a lot of unemployed people that are now at home. Right? And, and that so have no job to go to. Income, right? right. And so it's – there, there are two people on the bench in the Democrat Party that are perfect for this moment. Yes. Right? But I fear that the Black Lives Matter movement is so loud that it's going to overshadow. I, look, if you don't get the ec- economy right, Everybody it doesn't loses. matter what the Black Lives Matter That's right. Ma- right? Because like, the Everybody economy loses. is going to weigh especially hard on people of color. Yeah, that's it right. It is. Mm-hmm. And so until you get the economy right, you can't raise those boats up, you know? And so that's why I'm, I'm like, you're gonna, you need to, there's a lot of cabinet positions that can be filled with, with what he has promised, right? But that vice president needs to be someone out there talking about the economy, in my opinion, I, if I you want to win. Couldn't agree more. And, and it has to be almost, I mean, we have to have a plan. 
Yes. We can't just wing this. No. Just like with a pandemic, we have to have a plan. So in a Biden administration, since Yang will not be the vice president, right? where would you put Andrew Yang if you're Joe Biden? Treasury? Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I, you know, he could always come up with a SAR position or Tech something. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would be interesting. You know, you want to keep Elizabeth Warren in the Senate, I would suppose, right? Would and not so. put her in a cabinet position, mm-hmm. although she's so highly effective at wherever you place her, um, that it, it'll just be interesting to see who he does fill in those positions if he was sure you know, will. If he gets elected. And I imagine once he selects his vice president, he will quickly let everyone know who else is going to have a seat at the table because that'll help build his coalition to win. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, de- you know, look, if we're sending out uh, $1,200 checks again, that sounds a lot like Andrew Yang, right? Mm-hmm. Saying $1,000 to every person. And so, yeah. And, and at least he had a plan to, pl- a plan to pay for it. Right. The, and you're talking about UBI, which is universal basic income. Folks, four years ago when this idea, when I first learned about universal basic income, I was like, are you kidding me? No way people will go for that. And I have done a 180 on that now, sure. uh, even with Andrew Yang. But the reason why, and in a lot of your philosophy, Gabe, it's a bottom-up economy at that, that point. Exactly right. And and so the consumers will choose the winners. Yes, I think that if you did this, you could change a lot. Like it's by if you put that in place, you can change a lot of the other rules that are in place, right? Like right. people argue over the minimum wage, where it should be, and things of that nature. If you had a basic income coming in. You could get rid of the minimum wage. Yeah, right. right? And then employers are going to have to and compete. Plus, all to of get the agencies, uh, food stamps, welfare, exactly. all of that could go away if you're just putting. Think of all that bureaucracy that could be closed down. That, and and that that's you know that, that's why there are economists on the right that are in favor of something like this. And right? that, and people on the left. And people on the left. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things that. I get a, a lot of people uh, stare down their nose at me when I talk, talk in favor of UBI, but I do see there's a lot of beauty to it. And if you're going to hand so much money out to companies and like like the, the Federal Reserve has been doing, What's why the not difference? give it to the people? Give it to the people, right. And then let Direct those companies payment. compete for it through services. and, and Let them win in the free market. Right, and we'll all... Yes. Live better lives because of because it. of it, yes, and 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 you and I both know it's like a snowball going. So Andrew Yang's plan. Let, let me preface it with this: We know that Apple, Google, Facebook, Netflix, Amazon—that's who's holding up the market right now. No doubt. Yang's plan. Well, that and the Federal Reserve and the Federal. Well, right, and trillions buying, of dollars that were printed. You know, zeros punched into the computer. Exactly. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, if I don't understand this correctly, but Yang's plan was to tax those tech companies. Is that where the money was going? It's not a tax on the American people. No, no. He was going to tax these companies that are the largest and most profitable that our country has ever seen. Mm -hmm. He was going to set up a tax plan to to tax those, to tax the information, basically, that they are collecting and using. And using and and, making money off of. And therefore Mm -hmm. turn that around and hand it back to the American people. Yeah. See, I I, I love that idea. It's a a great plan. I, I really, you know, it's hard for any politician to call for a tax. But if you look at look at Bezos, he is the wealthiest man in the world. He's gotten even wealthier during the sure. pandemic. Obviously, everybody's using Amazon now, right? Uh, or a lot of folks I, I know and, are. And so I don't, I don't. Uh, 
I don't hate Bezos for being so rich, right? Mm-hmm. I think that his not at all, right? Like he has created a lot of value, and therefore he's stacked a lot of dollars, right? Yes, but. We need a system in place to help those who haven't created a lot of value get by. And get to that point, right, to eat and to have a shelter over their head. Well, yes. if you provide that, then you can also free up the entrepreneurial spirit of all these people. Right. right? Think about all of the people that if they had a little bit of capital could could start their own business, sure. could employ other people's. And you and I, we both believe in the free market, no yes. matter how many Republicans say, tell me I'm a socialist. I'm not a socialist. I really believe in the free market. Like Ned Ray McWhorter said, the best social program is a good job. No doubt. Democrat Ned Ray McWhorter, the governor of the state of Tennessee, one of the greatest we've ever had. So, Gabe, anything else you'd like to add to the audience today uh, about the election or about the economy or about COVID? Uh, Anything you'd like to say to anybody out there listening today? Well, you know, I think that if someone has lost their job out there because of COVID, I, you know, I really feel for them, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, I think it'd be easy for them to be angry and upset and feel like they've been let down. And I would just encourage them to hold on, right? Hold on. You know, hold on. Help's coming. Uh, and yeah, it, but and also just realize that that there's help within too, right? They right. need to like, I, I, it's so easy for me to be like pull up yourself by your own bootstraps and things of that nature because I've had a lot of advantages through my life, you know, like student loans and things of that nature at the right time, you know, because I didn't have kids, and, and so, uh, so there. Is, I hope that we will help those at the bottom, you know, but we just need to realize that 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 we will get through this. We've seen tough times before. We've seen crazy and scary times before, and we have persevered through it, and I think that we will continue. Wise words, Gabriel, and that's why I always love having you on the podcast. It's folks like me and you that are going to build the future. I hope so. Yeah, I think so, and even though we don't agree on everything, we're going to keep talking, and we're going to find that middle ground. That's right. Gabriel Fancher, the host of the Middle Ground Podcast, and my good friend here. Thanks for joining us on The Man in the Middle. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Gabe. I'm Stephen Reynolds, The Man in the Middle. I'll see you next week. The power's in you. Let your hands and your heart begin to shape a future we'll build.